Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the House and Grouse Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopers and SB Nation. As you may know by now, number crunch is just a quick post-game podcast in my own style, picking out one number or one stat and using it to anchor us throughout the podcast and to dive a little bit deeper into all things Timberwolves, and in this case, obviously all things preseason Timberwolves as usual. I'd like to give a shameless little plug for the House and Drowse newsletter. It's my newsletter made with a fan perspective and not a journalism perspective or a reporter perspective. And it's got loads and loads of content coming on there every single day. And if I get one monthly subscriber per podcast, I'll reach my goal and turn this into an actual self-made job, which would be cool. And I'm kind of hoping to do that throughout the season. So... Anyway, this isn't about me. It's about the Minnesota Timberwolves, those big, new, clunky, rusty Minnesota Timberwolves. Yep, all of that was on display in this first pre- in their final preseason game, I should say. Obviously, against the Brooklyn Nets, they do lose the game 112-102, to and it was really evident, especially early on, that the four big parts of this, of this offense in Carlton Towns, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell have never played as a collective before, never played together as a collective before. And it was reported by all of Minnesota's wonderful B-writers that Towns said that only completed one real practice together, both he and Gobert. And yet here we are playing a semi-real game against the Brooklyn Nets. It did have some ferocity and some intensity in this game that was a little bit different to the rest of the preseason games, especially being being as it is the last game. And most teams are really trying to ramp up towards the regular season, but they were playing the Nets with all their shot-making and insane play that exists in a team led by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And as, as I said, it was kind of ugly early. It, it looked like what it was, which is... A bunch of guys getting to know one another's tendencies. Uh, I guess it smoothed out a little bit throughout the game we're on. And that's where we got this episode's number from. And that number is... 7. As in, 7 assists from Tarleton Towns. And honestly, those 7 assists were just as impressive as the 6 that he had in his first preseason game against the Clippers. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The thing about those seven assists from Cat is that they give us at least a smidgen of a of a signal on what kind of role he's going to play this season. He's going to score a ton. I mean, we know that. he Even without his legs under him and his jump shot still looking a little bit wonky because of that. And even be, still with the clunkiness that was really obvious between he, Gobert, and, and D'Lo in this game, he still had dominant moments as a scorer and with some less weight and more license to stay away from the post-ups, he's going to be an even more dynamic scorer, I think. But he's also going to make plays for others in different ways simply because Gobert is on the floor with him for a lot of the time. And tonight they played a lot of Towns' 33 minutes together. And instead of playing in a role where he is camped out in the high post or jostling in the low post for paint position 10 or 15 or 20 times a night... He's going to be playing as a power forward. We know that. But even in today's NBA, positions are kind of pointless. But he's going to be more of a wing than a big. And he's going to be guarded by a lot of big wings. And he's going to be in the positions that big wings play. And that's just the the way that it's going to work for him because he is not a center anymore. And he, he might be bigger than the usual archetype of that kind of big wing guy. But he has the skill set to be an elite, elite category of that player. And part of that will be his playmaking. Again, we saw it against the Clippers. Obviously, he was making reads from the top of the key more as he usually does as a center with four smaller players around him. But against the Nets, he was making, it, making those plays in, in different ways, in big wing ways. Of course, there was... That highlight dish to Gobert, uh, where he where he kind of came from from the perimeter, dished it around the corner and, and hit Gobert on the, who was sitting in the dunker spot. And I think that's a really good microcosm of the kind of stuff we're going to see from him: the pump fake, the drive, the dish to a big. That's wing stuff. That's big wing stuff. Yeah, he had Jared Vanderbilt lurking in the dunker spot last season, but Gobert isn't Vando. Gobert is smarter. He is bigger. He's more experienced and he's far more adept as a player in that in that dunker spot, as a dominant player in that dunker spot. And with that clearly in the mind of Chris Finch as well, we saw them at least try to get a bunch of high-low passing actions going, which we've never seen before. And we saw Towns on the perimeter making extra passes after Gobert caught the ball on a pick and roll. And that's instead of Towns having to be that guy who rolls into the paint and then whips the ball out. Now, he's the guy catching that pass that comes from the guy who was rolling and making big wing plays around the three-point arc. That's the kind of stuff we're going to see now, and that's different, and that's an important difference on this team. We also saw a dime to Kyle Anderson under the rim, and I thought that was another one that was worth putting under the microscope. Now, this happened with Gobert on the floor as well, and... They were forming kind of this mega front court lineup, which is 
pretty standard now for the Timberwolves because when Jaden McDaniel's out there, that's also a mega front court lineup. And while Towns caught the ball in the perimeter, he was he was in the slot or the wing area, kind of close to Brooklyn's bench. Uh, Gobert was on the other side of the court setting a pin-down screen for some away action on the opposite side of the court. This cleared the paint for Towns, which is obviously something that I think they struggled with in that first half. It was all blocked up and nobody could quite get to the rim. Anthony Edwards was struggling to get to the rim fully. Uh, D'Lo was, was running into trouble a lot. Cat himself kind of had Gobert in his way and Gobert himself kind of couldn't get free under the rim. So that was a problem in the first half. So they... They switch that. They have, sorry, they have uh, Towns on the catching the ball on the wing, and they have Gobert on the other wing out towards the three-point line too, setting a pin down, and this cleared all that room in the middle of the in the middle of the court. But it also gave cutters room, like Anderson. Anderson had room to make that cut. Gobert wasn't there, kind of clogging the lane, and so he saw Towns attack off the dribble pick up that dribble and sling a pass to Anderson who was cutting under the basket. Under the basket, Again, this is wing stuff. It's not like we've never seen wing stuff from Cat before. He's always been an anomaly of a player, but that was him going outside the confines of what a big center does. And he was a big center at that time. Now though, with Gobert out there and staying inside the, the paint and, and setting screens away from the ball and doing all those big man stuff and staying inside the big man confines himself. Towns can do the wacky stuff that Towns likes to do and that Towns does better than any other big man as his full-time job. It, it's not going to be sparing anymore as his full-time job and that will include, obviously, taking more jumpers, and getting into more legitimate kind of isolation possessions like he did against Ben Simmons and Markeith Morris and Kevin Durant in this game. But it'll also include being a legitimate ball handler at times and a perimeter playmaker, a big wing. In short, it's more Jason Tatum than Nikola Jokic. It's more Kawhi Leonard than Joel Embiid. And to me, that suits Towns better. And while... There will be nights that it just doesn't work, especially, I think, defensively. Although I did think Cat, again, as he did all of last season, showed in this game that he can move his feet on the perimeter. He had multiple good possessions against Simmons and Durant as as a defender. Um, it's going to have a lot of nights where it might look a little clunkier, you know, on, on defense. And those Kawhi Leonard's and Jason Tatum's might punish him. But it's also going to have a lot of nights where it's one of the weirdest and most impactful mismatches in the NBA. And, you know, as a whole, that's what the Wolves are going to be. They might not be this clunky as as they were tonight. They might not be that clunky ever again as they improve their chemistry, you know, each and every practice from here on out. But they will have nights where it looks a little weird. But on the other hand, that wackiness and mismatchiness is going to overpower teams on a regular basis as well. I mean, Ben fucking Simmons fouled out in 12 minutes tonight. That's the kind of mismatch Towns presents as a big win, and he should only get more adept at kind of harnessing that skill set as the season and the next few years alongside Gobert wear on. For now, we're done here, done for this podcast, but we are on to the real stuff. No more preseason caveats. No more regular season starts, you know, 
next week or in two weeks and then we can see what's happening. No, the regular season starts this week. I'll be here doing deep cuts all season long. Until then, I'll be back with a long-form pod tomorrow, the House and Grouse show. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys then. Bye.